I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and First Nation people of the land on which this podcast has been recorded. For me in Melbourne, Nam, Australia, it's the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and communities and pay my respect to their culture, elders, past, present and emerging. Hey gorgeous, are you ready to turn on the light switch of your soul and live an authentic, radiant and unapologetically pleasure-filled life? I'm Penny Vandersloos. I'm a pleasure activist and adventurer, feminine empowerment coach and a conscious creatrix and connector. I'm also a wife and mother of two teens and host of this podcast, Turned On, Wild, Free and Sexy in Your Midlife. Welcome, Woman Jika. Today's episode is Awakening Your Erotic Body with Renee Main. It's an episode for you if you're curious and open to expanding your understanding of yourself, ready to reclaim words of our language which we've associated with our sexuality and somewhat demonized and misunderstood, and you're interested in learning more about eroticism, kink and what it means to be an intuitive dominatrix and a submissive to the universe. Such a great conversation. It's a little longer than my usual episode length, but I encourage you to stick around. It is so worth it. So now to introduce you to Renee. She loves love. Her cogency being passion, permission, pleasure, and power. She is the madam of the School of Somatic Kink, She leads people to embodied transformation through multi-sensory journeys, through sensual arts, archetypal embodiment, erotic exploration, kink psychology, sacred relationships, and somatic kink healing. She's highly skilled and gifted in somatic processing, intuition, eros, and ancient wisdom. She offers a fresh take on the things we've been questioning and craving for years. And today we are talking all about how you can awaken your erotic body, particularly in your midlife. So welcome, Renee. I'm so happy you're here. Hello. Thank you for having me. Renee, I first came across you last year when we were at the Seven Sisters Festival and I came to a session that you presented, which was about meeting your intuitive dominatrix. I was so impressed with being a very muddy festival and quite chaotic and a very (laughs) packed house that you had in your tent. You just stood and in such a beautiful way commanded in a powerful way attention by just standing at the front silently. And it really demonstrated to me how being quiet and, and grounded and clear can be really powerful. So that was one of the things I was drawn by. I mean, the whole session was fabulous, but I wanted people to experience part of that over the airwaves. (laughs) So would you like to tell us what turned on means for you so we can 
learn a bit about yeah your experience and how you embody it yeah I think for me being turned on is a constant evolution and what it meant you know 15 20 30 years ago was totally different and I was having this conversation with my partner on the weekend and you know we're talking about you know what I'm craving and that turn on for me is deep presence and deep listening and to feel so held by life and the universe but also by other and knowing that we can be this big cosmic infinite being while being in this flesh and bone Mm -hmm. walking upon earth knowing that it'll never be the same again because we walked on this earth and it's not for me anymore the big gigantic milestones or those massive significant moments it's in those intricate quiet mundane moments that we experience every single day and for a long time I chased this constant high of whether it be healing or vibration or energy or this workshop or this whatever it is that adrenaline rush I realized that it come from a very abusive and unsustainable and unrealistic place and so it spoke more about what turn on really means for me now and that's knowing that there's nothing to fix, there's nothing to heal, we are not broken and we are exactly where we're meant to be right here, right now and never forgetting that. Amazing. And I think that almost speaks to that power I felt in you standing at the front of a a group of people not saying anything and it being powerful because that was you were embodying that exact it's just the moment. <laughs> it doesn't have to look yeah. a particular way. And it yeah. was so different yeah. and refreshing. And I think for women, particularly in their midlife, we're told how it should look or it's meant to look. And um, there's some uncertainty that comes from it because it hasn't necessarily been something we've seen role modelled, almost like women became invisible after their midlife. or And so yeah. we're also in a part of her story, shall we say, instead of history, yeah. but it can be different. So what are we what yeah. are we desiring? What do we want to create? And yeah. Uh, and sometimes it is adrenaline fueled and masculine driven and stuff. So to have this invitation to look into the the normal yeah. <laughs> and the quiet is beautiful. Yeah. You know when you speak to that penny is what comes up for me is, you know, 
we reach this, you know, midlife and we're told to take up space and to be unafraid to use our voice. And that is an absolutely vital part of the equation. But the hidden wisdom in that is remembering that our voice doesn't necessarily mean to speak words. Our voice can be energetic, you know, and I can be in, we all can be in a room of hundreds of women, which can sometimes, I feel like I'm in like a, walking into like a chook's den, you know, like the chirping is like, oh my God, and it freaks me out a lot of the time. And so for me being able to not even command the space, but just know that my presence is enough. And that alone can bring an entire room filled with hundreds of women who are on this energy high into stillness. And that is what you that is what you witnessed. And I think that that is an important part of the equation for us to remember. It's not necessarily about the words spoken. It's about the subtext of the dialogue that's happening underneath, I think is even more so important. And I heard in that too, it's about your individual expression too, because in a room full of women, sometimes you, kind of match whatever the energy is that's going on around you. And you were kind of the juxtaposition of that in that moment, which made it even more obvious to to me, which was really powerful. Um, And I guess too that's also comes from you feeling empowered to do that. So I think a lot of the time we fit in to the whatever's going and override our own expression. Absolutely. You know, we go in top up, you know, thinking that, okay, I'm going to like jump into this arena and particularly when you're speaking and I have to be this high energy, I have to dominate the room and I have to be like, here I am. And I actually went to speak and the part of that deep embodiment is I went to speak and then I just went, no. I don't need to speak. And so I was about to like and speak and I went, no. And so that's when I just stood there and, you know, I was just what I received was I just need to stand there in that moment and that's exactly what I did. Oh, I love that. And I think you're starting to touch on, which is I'd love to explore with you, is Mm. embodiment and Mm. that's a lot of where you're expertise and expression comes through in your work so could you talk to us a bit about yeah the power of speaking from our body or allowing our body expression yeah we hear a lot about you know if you know a lot about embodiment and a lot about you know somatics and I feel like my edge and my take is really about understanding embodiment is having a very 
real conversation with yourself and listening to the untold stories and the whispers and the hum of the body because the body doesn't lie and we have a very visceral reaction and response based off of past memories and what I would call unconscious kink and these untold stories feed our brains and our thoughts as to what we think that that showreel that goes on in our mind that dialogue that goes in our mind but when we slow that down we begin to open up this conversation whereby we're able to listen to the deathly quiet and have a very different conversation based upon what is real, what is current, what is the unconscious kink that is bubbling underneath the surface here and is this real for me right now or is this just an untold story that actually has no relevance anymore? And being that women, particularly midlife women, are so disconnected from their pleasure and from their sex, then there's a whole bunch, there's a library of information and stories and shame and, you know, societal conditioning that is trapped that then it can become very explosive because most women are afraid of letting go because they're afraid of their pleasure. They're afraid to feel pleasure. They're afraid to let go because what if they lose control? Because if they lose control, then the wheels fall off the machine in their household, in their lives, and they think that, uh, and they are, they don't think they are, that's that central pillar in their lives and they don't feel safe to lose control because that's what they're attaching to pleasure. Yeah. Oh, there's so many it's like. Not even our stories. Pieces. I loved how you described this library of untold stories because and then, you know, you think of it almost like when you pick up a book, I wonder what's in it. And then speaking to, well, there's pleasure being a whole library, but yeah. also some of the words you're using like kink and erotic are words that hold a lot of shame and taboo and mystique yeah. in our mm. culture and then especially in midlife women because I know I, I speak to this a lot with women. Could you sort of, yeah, talk to what the power that's in those untold stories that yeah, you that absolutely. you tap into or invite women into and how you can do that in a, a safe way? I mean, that might be a subsequent answer, but, yeah, at least to the, yeah. the library. Let's see. I feel to start and feel free to direct me in whichever way you see see fit but I feel to start with the biggest thing with the untold stories is recognizing the misconception of what words actually mean mm -hmm. so what is my truth what is the actual truth 
And what is that space in between? Because they are never the same thing, right? So a word like, let's say, kink, kink by definition means a bend or a curve in an otherwise straight line. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's what it means. Nothing more, nothing less. And yet if someone says kink, people are thinking people dressed up as babies, like someone licking a foot, batting off over something crazy, like, you know, these extreme ideas where you go, this is incorrect. This is actually a lie. Yes, it can mean all of this, but in actuality, it's more about what society tells us it means, right? Another word, you know, I always, I think, you know, you've got, I don't know if you've got boys or girls, teenagers, but I say to my teenage girls is we talk about the word cunt. Mm. Now, that is such a taboo word. And people be like, oh, the C word, it's the dirtiest, most disgusting word in the planet. It's horrible. Like people like cringe when you say it. But the origin of the word cunt was actually a word to describe women in power. So someone, if a queen or a priestess or a medicine woman, a woman who was classified and revered in her community, she was referred to as a cunt. Slowly over time, when the church began to infiltrate the world, that started to change slowly over hundreds of years to that word becoming completely demonized mm -hmm. into what we associate with it meaning today right so you know words just within themselves when we can begin to become really aware of where does this actually come from is it mine is it somebody else's? We can begin to have a very different conversation about my truth and the actual truth. And that opens us up to permission to explore, oh, what does this mean for me? Mm. What does erotic innocence mean for me? Can erotic and innocence actually be in the same question, in, in, the, in the same statement? You know, can, what does pleasure like pleasure people you say pleasure people think that you're talking about sex like mm -hmm. that is that madness to me <laughs> you go that is the most ridiculous thing i've heard on the planet like how does that <laughs> you know like it's i used to have this water bottle that like i loved the feel of it and i would just like be in meetings and i'd just be touched it's a water bottle because I felt the I felt, felt beautiful pleasure. Yeah. It felt 
lovely. It took me on a sensory journey, right? These these pens, like I actually love the feeling of these pens. I love the way they write. Like it turns me on. Does it mean I want to fuck the pen? No. It means that I'm feeling really deep joy and present in life. And that brings me pleasure. And so, yeah, that's what that means for me. And I'm sure you probably want to. Yeah, I want to unpick a bit of that. I mean, I think instantly my interpretation of kink has shifted. So when you talk to being um, a school of somatic kink, I'm like, aha. So obviously there can be a sexual kink, but there's this whole body kink. Like what else is it that we want to do inside of our body that might be out of the line with the community or society or. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, we look at, um, you know, we think about a fantasy and we think about a fetish, but the truth is, is people fetishize about our futures, about our dreams all the time right now a fetish is different to a kink so all fetishes are kinks but not all kinks are fetishes and what that means is a fetish is someone who can only get off on one particular object on one particular outcome whereby a kink means that you can get off you may like that thing or that feeling or that sensation but it's not necessary for us to be in a heightened state of arousal or to feel pleasure or to be turned on right now if you cross-reference this into life as well we do this all the time this is the goal that I want and it must look like this that is a fetish, right? But if we approach it, and that's not wrong mm. by, by any means, but we can also, the invitation is to go, ah, oh, okay, so this is available, right? If we look at it as a kink, so we go, I don't need that, but I want that mm. and I'd like that, but I'm really open to what's around it as well. I'm really open to exploring the space as well. And so kinks, yeah, I can absolutely be sexual, but they're also archetypal as well. And for me, that's where the real gold is, is because how we make love and our kinks determine who we are as a person. And everyone has a kink profile. No one is exempt from not having kink it's just whether we're actually aware of it even vanilla is a kink and so if I was to use the word vanilla vanilla is a kink to describe someone who likes everything that is we society considers as normal and safe that is a kink right and every kink has a false power and a power And that shows up, yes, absolutely in the bedroom, but it also shows up in our lives. 
as well. And that's where, for me, the real juice is, is because we can understand ourselves on such a level that is absolutely beautiful and we can begin to dissolve polarity because there's no judgment. We know, oh, I'm in my false power here. What do I need to do to move into the power? here so we can become really agile and fluid in the choices that we make for ourselves because our awareness is much deeper because we're exploring the things that we've always been told is wrong and they're those untold stories that are trapped in our bodies so somatically they are playing a very different a very different role in our reality that we are completely unconscious to. And that is why there's a very distinct difference between what happens in the mind, what happens in the body, beginning to exploring those differences and that misalignment. Oh, I love all the um, sort of metaphors you're using because, yeah, the, the, the language that we're putting to those stories can be open to interpretation as you've talked to with King. Yes. And then there's also, did we create that? What's real and what's a version of reality that we've stored? And can we explore what that looks like? Even to, can we write our own? And then the, I guess what's heavy about holding on to those stories and what's available when you mm-hmm. start to open them up and explore the pages and read and get yeah. curious, which is, I guess what you're speaking to in kink is like we've got all these archetypes so we might be playing in one of them or feel that that's us but maybe we haven't even considered that there are these other ones. Perhaps you could talk to a little bit about that. So someone listening who's like, holy moly, I can't even imagine kink as anything other than the sexual kink that you talk to and now you're inviting me into in my midlife, I've got kink inside me. Like, can we talk to a little bit about yeah. how you encourage women to see that in themselves? Yeah, absolutely. What if I was to, this is a really common one. So I'll speak to this. What if I was to say to you, Penny, do you remember a time, or maybe you can identify and everyone listening, a time in your life where you remember that you secretly got off on the pain. That you secretly got off on the intensity. That it gave you a rush, an adrenaline spike, an energy spike, where you felt like that warrior presence where you had to stand up and go, yeah, right? And so that is getting off on the pain is a very common one for women. Mm. And that is a masochist, right? That is a very, that is a kink, right? It is alive in every single abusive structure. It is very hard I would say impossible open for that to be wrong to be a woman a middle-aged woman and not 
experience the possibility of getting off on pain, right? That time where as a mother, you know, we cursed our husbands for going back to work, right? Like, fuck you. How dare your life get to be normal when mine is fucking changed forever, right? You know, that... I'm the one that has to be responsible to meal plan or do a shop Mm -hmm. or do the housework or do the school drop-off. These very real things that give us, does it turn turn us on? No. But here's the thing about turn on as most people don't understand. Arousal in the body can feel like, sexual turn on but it can also just feel like passion and anger and excitement so that rage and that anger that we feel is arousal in the body it's measured the exact same our bodies don't know the difference between for for the body it's just arousal we see it as anger and rage and frustration and turn on sexual turn on and pleasure but for the body it's the exact same chemical release Mm. so we get off on that pain on that rage on that frustration we act for the body if it just goes off of that chemical release, it feels that charge, right? Because the body doesn't label it. The body doesn't go, oh, it's this, it's this, it's this. That's our mind that does that. But for the body, it feels the same. So most middle-aged women are absolute masochists, right? But if I was to say, let me tie you up, and flog you and, you know, and whip you or do whatever and inflict pain on you, you'd be like, hell no, get the hell away from me, right? But the truth is, is we do it every single day in our lives. So what I do is explore this and really mutate this line between pleasure and pain because when we can experience pleasure and pain at the same time we have a deep somatic life-changing shift in our body and we will never be the same again and I find that really exciting it is pretty cool I mean even just Again, you're inviting us to understand, can we relabel it in our minds? Like our body is effectively doing it. It's interpreting frustration and anger equally the same as it is turn on and arousal. And it's the same when you, can you relabel it in a way that feels empowering and exciting and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and that's threatening and sometimes too, that's guess- a you were talking you know less threatening in that we've been told that that's even sex is taboo and kink is odd and unusual and you wouldn't want to share that you're a masochist because that's only odd you know very yeah um 
that is so outside of the societal acceptance of okay Mm. you know and so just you know there's a couple of things that are really alive in me you know in that is that ultimately we want to get to a place where we don't even need the need the 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 step of relabeling because we can just go no like I am no longer willing to subscribe to a narrative that is actually not true right so I would never use the word can't ever 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 I hated it and then I realized the origin and I went oh hell no like so every time we want it because that's us conforming again right we're conforming into this like oh I'm just going to soften it so the blow isn't as impactful but that is us also feeding the patriarch and the machine and the structures so it might be a step in our journey maybe or it might be enough for some people to go you know what actually I'm just going to rewrite that motherfucker and I'm not, and I don't need to. I don't need to do that anymore, right? Because if you look at kink through the eyes of sexuality, kink is everything that is outside what is normal, what society deems as normal. Everything outside that box is classified as kink, right? So what kink was. 50 years ago in society is very different to what it is now, right? So, you know, I don't even know really, I genuinely don't know what would be considered as normal now. Like, you know, maybe missionary, maybe like doggy. Hank but it's very heterosexual saying, even, isn't it, normal? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's based Two people only, on, no, no outside. Yeah, it's, exa- it's based Monogamous. on a male female a couple that is monogamous it's a very linear very small box right so now we're at this stage where gender is you know it are really massaging the edges of our beliefs around gender right we're massaging the idea oh okay like of polyamory and monogamy you know so all of these and toys, you know, so I would say that now vibrators and dildos are very society, socially acceptable. So we're at a time right now where we're really massaging this eye, this edge around what this box actually is, right? So ideally, you know, I always say I'd love to have this conversation in 30, 40 years I know. Because I think that this word kink is going to look very friggin' different, right? Like my teenage girls already know about kink. Mm. They are so switched on about, you know, adjusting to pronouns, sexuality. Well, I was going to say, our teenagers are all over this, aren't they? And if anything, we're the oh. ones kind of just going... Yeah, really? what's this fluidity and how does it work and yeah. how do you apply it? And it's very 
normal for them. Um, yeah, which is it exciting. is. Yeah, yeah, and we. My opinion is, is yes, you, we learn from our kids every single day, but also with this, we don't want to learn from our kids, right? We want to be able to role model it. So I'll say to my partner all the time, like if I don't, they'll say words, I don't even know what the hell it means, right? But I'll be like, yeah, and then Google what that means. <laughs> And I do that for a reason and even shows. I'll go, mum, like, I want you to watch this show. And I could not give a fat rat's ass about this show, but I'll watch it so I know where their engagement is, so I know what the language is that they're using. And because, and then we can have a very different conversation around pleasure. We are very open with pleasure, with, you know, with masturbation, with pleasuring, with sexuality. And in doing that, what I found is without crossing over into their boundaries is they're not as curious. They're not in such a rush because nothing is taboo in this house. Yeah. We welcome everything. And I think that's brilliant. When you, when it's a bit elusive and curious, that's when people start to do it and they don't have the ability to ask questions so they might get into kind of sticky situations where if it's on the table and freely talked about, it's yeah. but it's not the norm for our no. generation. It's, it's not. Really it's not. Highly charged very yeah how their general you know they were raised by a yes. generation before which was religious doctrine and um yeah. not even knowledge available I mean we know so much about mm-hmm. the clitoris and our female body but it's only been in the last 20 years that wasn't available yeah. in our parents generation and so they and yeah. menstrual products That's have changed right. massively lots of information's become and and yeah the internet has opened up a whole lot so we were talking about awakening our erotic body I think you're sort of um you know we're touching on that and stuff but Mm. what is it what is it that's and I guess we have mentioned that's the bits that we haven't necessarily tapped into those those books on the shelf that um were hidden at some points or yeah feels unsafe somehow to to reach and, and yeah. explore yeah. yeah what what is it about the erotic that's so elusive for us but also so powerful mm. to awaken mm-hmm. the biggest I guess thing that I teach in my containers is understanding what erotic is mm-hmm. and what the erotic body is so as you know, as you would know, um, because you were in my my keynote, my presentation, is that the word erotic is derived from the word eros. Eros is the god of love, right? So however, it's again, it's become so skewed 
<laughs> over the centuries because erotic actually means love. That's it. That's all it means. So how did we get to this time where erotic was about some dirty old man in the corner batting off coming on the walls, right? It's a very fantasizing about something else. So again, what it means and what we think it means is two very different things. So if we can begin to look at the word erotic as love, right? Now, I, t I tell this story about Eros when he fell in love with Psyche. And so this, and so this weighs, this weighs, this goes back to Greek mythology and even Roman mythology. Although in Roman mythology, we called, it was called, Eros was called Cupid. And so, but Eros fell in love with Psyche. Psyche betrayed Eros. And then Psyche went around redeeming herself they ended up getting married and I'm, you know, very much cutting this, this story short. But what the idea of it is, is if you look at it through the eyes of love, marries Psyche, mm. right? Psyche betrayed love. So the mind betrayed love. If you look at love, if you look at Eros as your body, Right, so that's the way I look at it. Is the erotic body is love, mm. right? So the erotic body, and then what we do is when psyche, when the mind marries the body, when psyche marries eros, eros and psyche had a child, and that child was called voluptuous, mm. who was the goddess of pleasure. So not many people know that a lot of people have heard of the God of, you know, God of love. Every loved one's heard of Eros. Every Maybe, you know, people have heard of Psyche. Not everyone's heard of Psyche. Very few people know that Psyche and Eros had a child who was the goddess of pleasure. They birthed the goddess of pleasure and her name was Voluptuous. You cannot make this shit up. <laughs> and you look at the lineage, you look at the lineage of body, how we feel about a body, voluptuous women have been shamed, mm. right? Pleasure has been shamed. We don't even know that the goddess of pleasure existed. Mm. Yeah, and so there, <laughs> yeah, and there is no art that depicts her. Mm. right so because that is when everything started to shift so when we really look at the lineage it's very flat it's very light because we don't have that lineage and that history to lean on pleasure mm. right and even if you cross-reference that into the hindu goddess and goddesses um, Lalita, who was the goddess of sensuality and pleasure, she is not spoken about. Mm. That is another goddess in all. So do they exist in ancient times? They were revered. But yet over time, 
they got erased from our lineage. Mm. And therefore the meaning in what they represented also got erased. So this is what's happened to erotic. Mm. So when I speak to erotic innocence, we're restoring that erotic innocence by remembering the truth of what it actually means and who we really are, right? It's love. I also speak to the erotic body as we have five bodies, right? So we have the physical body, we have the energy body, we have the emotional body, the mental body and the spirit body, right? Mm -hmm. When I speak to the erotic body, I'm speaking to all five bodies, right? But what we do is in our life, in our development, no matter who we are, we usually preference and we create a hierarchy of bodies. So some people will put more emphasis and time into their mental body. Some people will put more time into their spirit body, right? Some people will put more time into their emotional body, thinking that one is more important than the other, when in actuality there is no time and space, there is no hierarchy in time and space. Everything is made equal. So if we put one little body, then everything else has to shift, right? It's like when we pull a muscle and then the muscles and tendon around it has to shift to make it work. That's what happens in the erotic body. So we make do. There's a chain reaction, a cause and effect in the erotic body when we do this. So when we can actually just even out that playing field, we begin to have a very different experience in life. Oh, so good. And I can still see the library <laughs> where, you know, you put all your attention and the books on the top shelf and they might be the the mind body is, and it was my experience. I yeah. Yeah, grew up. I actually studied psychology and it was all around how powerful the mind is, ignoring the spiritual body, the energy, didn't even know that existed. So, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful to even contemplate that they could be equal. Yeah, Yeah. not even just they're there. It's like imagine if you gave it equal attention that you were to give all these other bodies. And beautiful um, invitation to consider that story of the Greek mythology and and how you can create, you know, your mind and love can create pleasure and, oh, wow, it's super cool. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. I also loved, and I think it speaks to the way you've invited us to consider all of these concepts anyway, how you talked about Um, meeting your intuitive dominatrix I wouldn't mind if you could explore a bit of that because I know you spoke to also and I guess it it comes from these language pieces as well that Mm. we're they're so 
activating for some people, a dominatrix and a submissive. And we think of S&M and going to the sexualization. And when you speak to it, it's really beautiful. So I'd love you, if you don't mind, to share what it is to be an intuitive dominatrix in our own life. Yeah, absolutely. So I, where do I want to start with this? Mm. The intuitive dominatrix is a dominatrix in her life and a submissive to the universe. She inhabits heaven no matter where she's standing and what's going on around her. That is the crux, the pure essence of the intuitive dominatrix. The dominatrix is a kink and the power of the dominatrix is someone who knows what she wants. She has an eye and an attention to detail. She knows how things operate and where things should be and where things need to go. She's the person that we've been trying to run away from because she'll cry the tears that we're afraid to shed. She will say the things that we're afraid to say, but she's patient and she will wait and she will listen and she will not go anywhere. She's the voice that we try to ignore. And when we get to midlife, we realise that we don't want to ignore her anymore. We want this final act to be very different to the first one. (laughs) We want to break the fucking rules and we don't want to cage her in because she is born to be free and she's tired of conforming. She's tired of what is socially acceptable. She's tired of the masks and she wants to listen to the hum of the universe but melt into life and make love to life and suck the marrow out of life knowing that she's here in this body for a reason. So it's what I call the 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 position, the fusion of what it is, what it means to be hedonistic, holy and human. So to make magic in the mundane, the false power of the dominatrix is to be controlling and manipulating. Talk to a little bit about what you mean false for someone who's sort of grappling with yeah is that a bad thing is that a yeah it's, not a good expression of it, that it's if some people would call it a shadow yeah right okay. um I call it a false power because there is that charge in it 
Mm. It made the false power still makes us feel good. Yeah. It makes it's very alluring and it's very seductive mm. because we we know how powerful we are. Mm. We know that we can command the space. We can see where coaches, gurus do this all the time is I know exactly the life that you want to lead. I'm the coach that can make things happen for you because I know what your life needs to look like. I know what needs to happen in order for you to feel pleasure. You will do as I say. So they're very controlling. And so all of these things feel good. Hmm right? They feel good because it's like, yes, because they're powerful. So I don't see them as a shadow because for me, a shadow is an unclaimed part of ourselves that we need to meet, we want to meet. This is an unconscious kink that we, how we behave and act and you can see it in the happening in the world all the time is that people are very controlling. Mm. People are very manipulative. People think that they know what's best for our lives. Yeah. That is the power of, uh, sorry, that is the false power of the dominatrix. And so I use the word false power because it does actually feel good. Feels but good in the body taking away yeah yes yes ultimately we're not there's no sacred union there because I look at a dominant and a submissive as equal right is it's this fusion of understanding a fusion of love of deep connection of surrender right of trust and so at the heart of all kink, whether it be sexual or not, is trust. Mm. Without trust, there is no sacred exchange. It takes trust to be able to say to your partner, I want you to fuck me this way. Mm. And for them to be able to hold you in that, and not judge you and just be able to go, it would be my honour to make that happen for you. Like, let's do this. Yeah. Isn't and that so there's a, a lot of women that never had that experience. Yeah. That they're, pleased, they're doing it to please yeah. other people, so they've never actually yeah. Yeah. Maybe experienced trust in the way that you're talking is yeah. fully sacred. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes so much courage to be able to do that. And it really is an ongoing conversation that it may, you know, it'll where it starts and where it ends will be very different. But it's getting the having the courage to begin the conversation right so some words that I would say to my partner if we're purely talking intimacy I would say what are you craving right now mm. what are you hungering for you know how can I 
how can I serve you? How can I pleasure you? You know, and we're in it. It's this continual conversation that, you know, under the umbrella of the intuitive dominatrix, the dominatrix can be very playful, but she can be very wild. She could be very alluring and seductive or she could be very, like, childlike and innocent Mm. because on any given day we are all of those things, right? And so when we're intimate with someone, it's being able to articulate some some days I'm I'm needy today. Mm. I feel really needy and this is what I need from you. But we don't articulate that. We don't communicate that often to our loved ones. And that is really what, you know, it creates massive issues because it's, will they think I'm crazy? Will they think I'm a freak? If I tell them I want this, then, you know, and sometimes it might be some kind of out there fantasy or kink or desire or whatever it is. And sometimes just voicing it is enough, you know. So my partner and I have had lots of conversations about our desires and then I've found that some of them have happened, some of them haven't, but then some of them I voiced it and then they just kind of disappeared, you know. So if we don't have this conversation and this dialogue, then it's trapped in our bodies and it's all the unknown and that's when people go off and explore different things because they don't know what's real and what's not. They don't know, is this a fantasy? Is this something that I really want or actually not, you know? And sometimes you'll you'll do something and it's like, well, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be, <laughs> you know, and that's where the intuitive piece comes in as well, right, is feeling. because feeling into the moment, honouring, you know, where the energy is taking us moment to moment, you know. We want things to be all planned out. We want the whole picture, the whole puzzle to be painted and put together before we take any action. But that's not how, that's not how the universe works. It's given to us piece by piece because, and the reason why it's given to us piece by piece is because we receive that piece. We do that piece. It keeps us in the moment. It keeps us present, right? Otherwise we're thinking about the next thing that we're going to do and we're not present to that thing in front of us. So our intuition has to arrive piece by piece so we are present. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately the difference between someone who's living life wide awake and making love to life and someone who is still very much tied to the machine. What I'm hearing too is, I mean, we weren't taught any of this stuff, like the the how to express ourselves, particularly with lovers or partners or who we've been in life with. And so yeah. I know from my sort of experience too, the desire to feel equal and it you know I don't want to be submissive in the that feels weak 
and the like you were saying the false positive of the person who is controlling particularly in an intimate moment has power over you and is this sort of tussle I think I think certainly when I was growing up is that I want to be a strong woman you know I want to choose what I want and ask yes. what I want and then it becomes complex when it it's into relationships and asking for things and fearing rejection and it's super super complex but I think there's a lot of unlearning what has been taught to us that yes. someone dominating us or but in a beautiful loving erotic way is safe for us as well it's not yeah going to hurt us yeah yes absolutely and there's more power in my opinion a submissive has more power right a submissive it's again it's our perception of a submissive is weak but if you look at a submissive as someone who deeply knows who they are and what they want and is willing to surrender that to the universe to another person to go here is my pleasure and I'm going to share it with you here is my desire and I'm going to share it with you and it's not power over, it's power to, it's power with, right? Submissive is not about being weak at all. It's about being able to receive. And, again, this is a big one for women Huge. because a submissive has to receive, has to be willing to feel worthy to receive pleasure to give up control mm. right so a submissive in her power is saying I'm worthy to receive I trust the universe I'm willing to surrender control right because I deeply know myself and I trust I trust who I am and I'm worthy to receive. So the idea around a submissive is very different. So that feeling of I don't want to give up control and a submissive as being a, a submissive is weak is very much the false power of the submissive, right? And that's another like another false power of the submissive is waiting to be told what to do is to be waiting for someone else to take the lead in your own life, in the bedroom. Women are in their false power all the time. They wait for their partners to initiate sex. They are waiting for something to happen in their lives to go, oh, that's it. Spiritual women do this all the time. I'm going to wait for this sign from the universe to give me the go-ahead to choose this path right because they they're not trusting their own innate intuition that erotic body so that is so we know the and here's the thing about kink right and this is where the kink archetypes and the kink psychology comes in we know the false power of every single kink 
once we hear it, we go, oh, yep, yep, done that once or twice. But we don't know the power, the beauty, the absolute beauty of the power of the kinks. We only know the false power. And that is really what the exploration is, is beginning to explore. Oh, okay, we know the false power. Once you hear it, you're like, yep, know that. But we don't know. Maybe we've had little glimpses of the power, but we don't fully understand the beauty that they hold. So could you, um, and I think you are obviously in sharing, inviting women Mm -hmm. to try this on in their own mind how could they apply it is there some way that someone could take a little bit of what you're sharing and apply it to their own life right now you know just between us (laughs) yeah absolutely it can really be you know I the first invitation would be is to really just tune in to what is it that I desire? Like, what does eros feel like for me? What is cultivating pleasure in the body feel like for me? Right? And tuning in to those whispers and beginning to think, you know, it might be, what do I want? Like, what are those crazy fantasies? that I want, you know, that I want to explore. One thing that I recommend for everyone to do, and it's a really cool exploration to do for the first go, is what, journaling the question, what is the reality of my sex life right now, of my intimacy right now? And that can be whether you're in a relationship or not. And write down, journal the honest truth. This is the reality of my sex life. This is the reality of my intimacy. And then write down, what is the fantasy? What is the fantasy? So then journaling that. And then looking over it through the lens of how is that applicable how does that reflect what's going on in my life and you'll find that it's a mirror that's unfolding in your entire life Mm -hmm. as well so you know once we work on one area then we automatically change all the others so that is a really good and powerful first step however it can be very confronting as well it's a very confronting process um there's another you know I've got a post that I can send through as well and that's a beginner's guide to BDSM and kink so the practical ways that you can explore so it might be more about you know what you might not be ready for a ball gag and flogger you might be wanting to explore like the kink of sensuality of a sensory journey, right? You might want to you might want to go into some visual play and some sensory play rather than full on full on toys of bondage and 
anything else really, you know, so beyond any toys, it could be material. So the biggest thing is where are you at now and what feels like the first next step and also having a conversation with your partner if you've got a partner and if it's something that you do want to explore with your partner as well as beginning to open up this conversation of, you know, as I was saying before, like what are you desiring? What do you hunger for? You know, and saying this is what I'm hungering for. And sometimes it's sexual and sometimes it's not. You know, so as I was saying to you, I think at the beginning of of our chat is, you know, on the weekend it was deep listening. You know, that was what I was hungering for in that moment and being willing to be vulnerable. I think they're some really proactive and achievable and not too out there first mm. steps. What I love is you're also inviting us to consider where we're at. So each of us would journal differently on what our fantasies would be, where we're at now. Yeah. I think often for women, we kind of feel like our sex life is what it is based on how it's been in the past. And what you're also inviting us to consider is, yes, so what we're in our midlife and so what we've been in our partnerships or our sex life looks this particular way. It doesn't mean there's not this library of opportunities, parts of ourselves we haven't explored, Um, even a way of communicating within the relationship we've got if we have one or we desire that could be completely different to how it's been. Yeah, totally different. Like this is where I actually started in this industry is in this this path is because I had had this belief that all the kids were very young, um, like toddlers and, you know, like babies type thing. And I was like, I had this belief that all the amazing sex I'd had was in the past. Mm-hmm. And then I just went, that's crazy. Like, I'm like 30 years old, like I'm 32 years old, whatever I was. And so that's really when I began to explore what it meant for me, realizing that that was a belief that did not serve me whatsoever. And so really, it's just this. And now that was, you know, like over, that was probably 15 years ago. And so it took on a direction within my own relationship where we've been together for 24 years and I feel like we're just beginning, you know. It's, yes, when you've got kids, it has to be, you have to kind of make it work. You have to be creative. You have to, you know, there's a lot of gurus out there that will say, you know, you have to pleasure five times a day. You have to sleep in separate rooms. There's a whole lot of rules around what it means to be this sexual, sensual, tantric woman that is so unrealistic for parents that you just go, no, like we need to make it work. We need to carve out time. Mate, if it's five minutes, it's five minutes. Like it's, you know, it's not 20. We don't have 48 hours to make love. No. Like it's not, not going to happen. 
so it's about making it work and being practical with your life and where you're at right now you know it's and you know so intimacy with teenagers is much harder can I just say with than with intimacy with toddlers yeah you're it's right way more yeah. challenging they're awake a whole lot more hours <laughs> Yeah, and they hear and they know and you can't be like, what noise? Like, you know? <laughs> yes, so it's, yeah, and that's just the reality, you know, that's just the reality of it. So I say, you know what, like make it work, but it's not the best is behind you. You really can create a level of intimacy and spontaneity that, you know, and sometimes like it might just be go to a sensuality shop and buy things that like, you know, you're curious about, you know, and so it could be just, you know, go in and get a scarf from your, from your wardrobe, like, you know, like whatever it is, just be willing and be open to just explore and nudge that edge a little bit. Oh, it's such an awesome invitation. And it definitely speaks to, in our midlife, tapping into what can feel wild for us, sexy and free. Like it's freeing to try these things for mm-hmm. a first time and learn yeah. how that your body will respond to that. Maybe the scarf's the biggest thing. Oh, maybe it's a no thanks. That was, I've tried that. <laughs> That's not for me. Yep. Is there one thing you yeah. would love women in their midlife to know? Like if they, if you could leave people with a golden nugget that you just wish we all could remember or take away? Yeah. I would, like what comes up when you say that is, and it's funny, when I get asked this question, it's always different. <laughs> so I feel like I'm tuning in to, you know, to, to your community. And that is so often women say, I'm not in the mood. I don't feel sexy. Right? I'm too tired. I just can't be bothered. I don't feel sexy. I have no desire. Mm -hmm. But sexy and eros and pleasure and decadence is a felt in-body experience. It is an energy we cultivate. That's it. We can cultivate feeling sexy. We can cultivate feeling arousal. We can cultivate feeling pleasure within. So the whole idea around, you know, it's really a question of what comes first, the chicken or the egg. It's something that you cultivate. We we wait, I'm feeling horny, I'm feeling good. Now the kids are quite like, let's go do it. It's It takes work. It doesn't just happen, you know. So, and I'm happy to put some, you know, meditations and some 
eros practices and you know so you know your your audience and your community can practice them because it really is an energy that we cultivate you know and that's it and that's mate it's easy to go I'm not in the mood mm. you know but you know what like I fucking love my partner more than anything else in this world and I did not sign up for a mediocre relationship you know I said we had a conversation on the weekend and I said to him we're not that couple we're not this couple like we need to you know and be intimate because it takes active desire to be able to do this, to make it work. It doesn't just happen. We need to be prepared to put in the work because it doesn't just happen. And I think that is the biggest misconception that we have. The other thing I feel to say is the most socially acceptable abuse that happens, and abuse is a very strong word, but it's true, is women who have sex because they feel like we have to. And we have sex, we put out to please our partners. If I don't put out, I just need to. Oh, once we start, then it's usually all right. Or it's his birthday, so I need to have sex. That is the most socially acceptable abuse. And we laugh about it around the barbecue, around with our friends, you know, and we think it's funny. Mate, that shit is not funny. It's fucking abuse. Mm. And recognising that and beginning to have a different conversation about intimacy. And intimacy is about mutual desire and pleasure and consent and pleasure. And so it wasn't about what my partner and I did is if he or myself just wanted a release, you know, is we would, I, I said, go self-pleasure. I'm not your release. I'm not your release. You go self-pleasure. I do the same, you know. And so when we do come together, it's because we choose to, not because we just feel like we need to bat one out because we want to feel better. Right? Thank you. I'm because not your release. That is a very powerful message which speaks to women's self-worth and feeling that they can yeah you know, in their sovereign body, choose what feels right in the moment, that we're not owned by someone else yep. that can then, yeah, as you termed it, abuse us to get their themselves off. But equally for us, and you talk to desire and choosing to invest in this part of our life, which is why I'm passionate as a kind of pleasure activist, is we, if we don't focus on all the parts of our life that we can be drawn to that allow us to feel pleasure, there's parts of our lives that kind of die off or by opening up this area, like if there's something that's not working here, pay attention to it, give it your, 
um, like cultivate it like you were speaking to so that yeah. all the other areas of your life get that energy and attention and your your love and care and and there's a calling for that and this is really important work so yeah sometimes we I think haven't learned how important it is to check in like why am I not feeling desire what is it that I'm not giving myself that I am seeking from someone else particularly often I'm waiting for them or I'm waiting for me to feel right or all the different different ways we've discussed today yeah yeah Yeah. so yeah this perfect scenario to happen, all the ducks in the row, yeah. Yeah, and we look to what we see other people and how it looks on the outside without realising that sometimes it is painful and messy and a bit unattractive yeah. <laughs> how it shows up. Um, but it's honest yeah. and, and like comes from the heart and it's it's raw and real and that's where intimacy comes from. It's you can see me for who I am and what I need and what I'm desiring. And it's a really cool place to play and explore. And I would love people who are now curious about your school and what you're offering and all the things, how can they connect in with you and learn more? Please share. Yeah. So I am... On socials at the School of Somatic Kink, my website is schoolofsomatickink.com um, and I'm happy to just submit, like give you, I'll send you through some um, some meditations and they're like five minutes, some are a bit longer, you know, awesome. I can put together a worksheet so then they can, you know, you can work through and really take the time and they don't take long, you know, but it begins to open up this dialogue that really just it's like that you know it's like a spring clean you're moving this energy in the body that it's really invigorating so um but if they've got any questions and reach out I'm very real and I will respond and um so yeah but and links to yeah where to start if you do want to start with BDSM and kink then um I've got a really cool beginner's guide for that too so yeah so I'd say check out the show notes. <laughs> check out the show notes. There's a wealth of information. Not only our conversation might have sparked something, there's little invitations to explore more and see what opens up for you. Thank you so much for your My invitations and explanations and passion and the work you do. It's, I'm so grateful that you're out there sharing this with people. This is a part of the world I think needs lots more attention and energy and focus. So I'm going to shine it on you. So let's see, let's see what else we can, um, yeah, develop from this today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this conversation and thank you for the work that you do and the work that you bring to this world because, you know, it is very important that we open up this conversation. So you are doing such beautiful work and, you know, it's it's needed. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And if you liked our conversation or loved our conversation, please share it and rate and review it and connect in with Renee if um, 
you feel called to do so. Follow your intuitive dominatrix. Head to my website, pennyvandersloos.com, to receive your 10 tips to turn on. A free checklist of simple and effective suggestions that will energize, activate, and arouse you. All you need to do is leave your details and they'll come whizzing into your inbox in your pleasure.